Hey there, and welcome to Shadow Facts. That's facts as in horse treat-sized pieces of information, a podcast about Lord of the Rings. But only the horse parts. I'm Joey. And I'm Caitlin. And And this this is is our our oath. We vow to discuss every horse mentioned or visible in both the Lord of the Rings books and film adaptations, and we do mean every. We vow to rank every horse mentioned above. We vow to rewrite one of Tolkien's songs per episode to be about horses, live on the pod. And last but not least, we vow to answer the call of Gondor when the beacon is lit. By which we mean, answer your questions about Lord of the Rings horses to the best of our ability. Shadowed facts? Wow. You're telling me a sh- shadow facts? facts? This? This? <laughs> Have you ever sent a fax? Uh, not a real one. I fax things sometimes using, like, an online, like, free fax service where you don't have to have a fax machine. You just, like, upload a PDF mm-hmm. and then they send it to a fax machine. But I don't think I've ever used a fax machine actually i used to have to use a fax machine at one of my old jobs and it was truly strange we've also now said fax enough that it doesn't that it's become like a dead syllable to me that doesn't mean anything anymore Mm. i mean the name of our podcast is shadow facts and i pronounce that differently than you know the name of the horse shadow facts there it's shadow facts shadow facts yeah Huh. But I, I mean, when I am pronouncing this specifically, I really try to enunciate the T in there. Um, I feel like I can't make any claims about pronunciation because there's such a wide gap between what happens in my brain and what comes out of my mouth that yeah. it's, uh-huh. it's just fucking throwing pasta uh-huh. at the wall anyways. Uh-huh. Yeah. For a while, my mom was really getting after me because I was pronouncing architecture uh architecture <laughs> like <laughs> that's very cute architecture <laughs> um it's just hard to go from like because really the only difference is that there's an s in text like it it could be spelled t-e-k-s-t right mm-hmm. instead it's like t-e-k-t and then sure um and that tect uh, is, yeah, I can do it individually, but when it's the whole word, I really have to think about it every time. I mean, it, it is deeply strange to have thoughts and desire to communicate them, and then to do that with a horrible, fleshy bellows machine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to podcasts! I mean, 
I think it's also deeply delightful, but I understand the horror of oh, it. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, neither of us would be here if we didn't love to fucking talk. <laughs> fucking four-hour yeah. episodes, okay? Uh-huh. I read something about Leo Gemini relationships the other day, and <laughs> it had a line about how, like, both of you are always trying to steal the mic, and... <laughs> yeah. I was like, well... Huh. Huh. That's much <laughs> much to think about. <laughs> um, okay, so in this episode, we are covering a section of Return of the King, the movie, from Minute Marker 24509 to 308.21. That's like almost half an hour. Good job, everyone involved. Wow. So we're going to do our that's, usual... Okay, that's... N- I mean it. Good job. Everyone involved. We we haven't always made I mean, it through yes. half an hour, you know? Don't think that's actually almost half an hour, but... It is... It's fine. 15... Uh, it is... It's 23 three, minutes. If you round creatively, that's almost half an hour. <laughs> uh-huh. Wow, we made it through an hour of the film. <laughs> Anyways. Anything more than 15 minutes rounds up. <laughs> the nearest hour. I think if we're using this math, our episodes are only an hour. Great. Um, in this episode, so many things happen, and we'll get to those in a minute. We'll talk through that, and then we will do some horse renaming, because we fucked up once upon a time and named some horses names that we had already named other horses. You, listen, you name a, you name 500 forbidden. horses and you start to, it all starts to, yeah, to blur together. Yeah, there's bound to be some mistakes in there. But you, our incredible listeners, very helpfully gave us so many wonderful name suggestions on Twitter, and we are going to use some of them today to rename those horses and then use the rest of them in our name pool for future horses. Yeah, I'm I'm very excited about these names, Um, but we'll get to that in the horse, what I've come to think of as the horse science uh, section of the podcast. Uh, Yes. First, we have the film thoughts, T-H-O-T-S section. Uh Uh-huh. Right. Um, What are your film thoughts? Ottergorn. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Um, no. Uh, before him, Eowyn. Uh, we start with, you know, the battle is still happening and Theoden is kind of rallying and then Theoden falls and then Eowyn kills the Witch King. Are we going to talk about it more than that? <laughs> uh, yes. I would like to. <laughs> Yeah, I'm just I'm just giving the, the plot point okay. first yeah. and then we will and then okay, what do you want to say about it? Oh, Aowen. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, okay, chronologically, the first thing I want to say is it, it really starts out, you know, it's like battle, they then is trying to get everyone turned around and then we hear the Nazgul scream and Theoden, like, looks at the Nazgul, and it sucks because you can see on his face that he he knows 100% what is going to happen. Yeah. And then the Nazgul does attack Snowmane, and this is when Eowyn steps in. Yeah, because the Witch King is, like, feast on his flesh to his fell beast Fellas, about Theoden. Is it gay to feast upon a man's flesh? Okay. 
Um, and then Eowyn is like, uh, hell no. Uh, Eowyn says, I will kill you if you touch him. Um, which I just think is cool and sexy of her. And then we get a scene that, like, this moment that I really like, which is they're kind of squaring off and we get this, like, hero shot of the Witch King's terrifying flail. Yeah. Like, we talked about this when we encountered this section in the book, but, like, what is it about? A flail is so much fucking scarier than if he had had, like, a big sword or even, like, an axe. Like, good God. Yeah. Although, I don't know. So, it is terrifying, but it also seems like it has not great precision and you can always see it coming. Yeah, I think that I think that makes it worse. Like we don't need to get too like detailed here, but like it's a weapon where you're instead of like bleeding out or whatever, like you're going to be fucking like bludgeoned to death. Yeah. Ugh. I just but I mean we see that like Eowyn dodges it in multiple ways like multiple times and I just think when he finally gets a hit in yeah it's horrible but like it just feels like badly playing whack-a-mole <laughs> that's an upsetting yeah <laughs> yeah I don't know for it really does it for me I think that's a really good um piece of not to be the movie guy but that's like a really good piece of prop work um I've been very yeah, behind absolutely. in my like watching the appendices of the movies but I do remember from seeing them before that that was a particularly tricky prop for them to make because it had to look extremely weighty and heavy and terrifying, mm. but also had to be light enough that they could do stunts with it and not seriously right, and hurt not someone. Yeah. And I think they nailed it. I think the complaint that you usually have about props is that they don't look real or hefty or weighty. And this really does like i'm thinking about the kind of close-up shot of the links of the chain kind of slowly like clinking up as he's like lifting it up off the ground yeah i would say that like my suspension of disbelief is easily broken yeah it's um, it's so fragile but right (laughs) by many things um and i didn't even think about the fact that it is not like what it appears to be yeah. entirely. Like, did not cross my mind. It's a great prop. Yeah. I came across this picture of Eowyn at some point that I think I sent you, like, months ago, where she is just, like, covered with bruises. Mm. Yeah. Um, and I'm guessing it is partly from... I, I mean, I'm guessing it's from filming this. Wait, hold on. Sorry. Is this, like, Eowyn, like, in character... Make no, sorry, bruises? Miranda Otto, like, post-filming, oh. covered in bruises. Oh, I don't remember this. Oh my gosh, okay. Oh, shit. Uh, we have to try and find that and maybe post it. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, it was like, it was, you know, bruises from... Stunt choreography know, and fighting. Yeah, combat filming. Very cool. I have All big bruises right now, but that's because I did... Very much real combat with an extremely large appliance yesterday. <laughs> I mean, just, yeah, just tell people that it's from sword fighting. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a believable pull for me. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and then it, it cuts from this, like, battle she's having to 
the three hunters arriving with the ghost army. The like the boat kind of pulls up to the shore where orcs are waiting for it, expecting the corsairs, and no one is visible on the ship. And the orcs are like, "What's going on?" And then all of three hunters like do this incredibly dramatic jump, like up from behind the rails of the ship. And I love, I love the idea of seeing that from the other angle of like all three of them like crouch down like beneath the sides of the ship. Like, all right, are we ready? Oh, on the kind of on the count of three, because they just all jump over in unison. <laughs> it's very, it's very entertaining to me. <sighs> Do you have anything to say about this before it cuts back to Eowyn's fight with the Witch King? Not no Corsair thoughts. Not really. Just Ghost that Army. Ottergorn was so sexy. Every time we saw him, this episode. Joe, you think that about. You say that like it's like different information from how you always feel about Aragorn. It's not. It's it's this is I just Yeah. I especially felt that way in later scenes when he's being like a strong but gentle leader. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um yeah. 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 And also when he's healing, even though they rob us of they so really much do. in that. We'll get to that. Um, that's yeah. all. Okay. So Eowyn, Witch King fighting. Uh, we get the one Eowyn thing, like the I am no man line, um, which is good, of course. But a thing that struck me this time is there's like lots of battle sound going on and like fully of like the flail clinking and her like grunting and groaning as she's you know flinging herself out of the way mm-hmm. and and music and other sounds going on but when she pulls off her helmet it is an unscored moment like it is there is no oh. music and it's incredibly quiet and i really love that like I think yeah. you could very easily see another version of this where that is scored with like a big triumphant like horns line or even like the hard anger fiddles of the Rohan theme. But mm-hmm. I really love that they kind of let it stand on its own. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Eowyn is this incredibly strong character and there is also like these themes of vulnerability, I guess, with her. Yeah. The exposedness of that moment, like not having music, etc. Yeah, that feels thematically appropriate. Yeah. No one is supporting her, just generally speaking, right? There is this aloneness. Yeah. And so, it, yeah, for that moment to also be this really, like, it is just her. Except it's not just her, because Mary has just helped, um... Which I love, but but yeah, thematically speaking, it's it's still that. And then I love speaking of Mary. Mm-hmm. I mean, her her shield arm has just been broken. She her sword arm is injured by the act of like stabbing the Nazgul because of yeah magic reasons, and she kind of falls over and the does his little implosion blast. And then I love, I love that when she is like back up after that, like the first thing she's looking for is Mary. She says, you know, she's like looking around desperately at the battlefield and and calls for him in this like Miranda Otto, sad, tremulous TM voice. It's so good. 
I want to talk about the Witch King crumpling. Oh, yeah. How did you feel about that visually? You know, I hadn't thought about it that much. The effect is well done. And also, it's a it's an, a thing that is, like, consistent within this movie. Like, when Sauron is defeated, Sauron also, like, implodes. Mm-hmm. And I think, actually, now that I'm saying this, I think that echoes in some way the thing that Tolkien says again and again in the books about, like, evil being their uh, their own in doing. It is an implosion and not an explosion, which I kind of like. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, conceptually, I like it. Yeah. It struck me as, like, a little cartoonish. It was, like, right on the line for me, mm. where it was kind of impactful, but part of my brain had a... a a chuckle moment because it suddenly felt comical to me in a way that it is not intended to. Yeah, there's, uh, I mean, we talked about your suspension of disbelief being <laughs> yeah. paper thin. Yeah. Um, I think it works for me. That's all I wanted to say. It doesn't not work as much as some things in these movies do for me or yeah. don't, but it, it was a moment where I was like, eh. <laughs> the visual yeah. effects skeptic. Yeah. We we were just saying, like, before we started recording, that this section of the movie has, like, Eowyn highs and Eowyn lows. And we actually, we really have not lingered that much on the highs here. We just talked about the I am no man and the silence afterwards. But also, like, the part where she does, like... Snowmane has been bowled over. Theoden is trapped under him on the ground. And the Nazgul is, like, advancing... And she puts herself between them to defend Theoden. Like, that is, like, yeah. that is fundamentally who she is. She, like, she is so ferociously brave about protecting the people she cares about. Mm-hmm. So that's, like, that's all extremely high. And then I feel like we kind of slam straight from that into a low, which is that she is being, like, horror movie chased around by Gothmog. She has both of her arms injured and no sword and she's kind of crawling away from him on the battlefield as he's stomping towards her. Yeah, and then like reaching for a sword. Well, you know I love... Right. I'm an avowed lover of like sword scrabbling shots and then Aragorn and the the other you know, the others like sweep in at the... Those others. Um, mm-hmm. Gimlor again, like a limb. Yeah. Aragorn like sweeps in and kills Gothmog and like keeps moving and there's no like interaction between them. Yeah, because Aragorn doesn't see her. That feels like such a weird choice to include this after this scene. Yeah. Like they needed Aragorn to save her in some way. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It just... It, it feels mean, like a very strange characterization after what we just saw. Yeah. It helps us connect, you know, where people are and what's happening simultaneously, right? Like, we're able to see, like, okay, the three hunters are here now. But, like, it didn't need to happen like that. I kind of don't love this moment of, like, Eowyn being very, like, powerless and defenseless after yeah words and it's also it's also weird characterization for Gothmog who has been like one of the big bads of this movie and Aragorn just like 
steps into the frame and kills him and and moves on. Like, it's not like they have, like, a big battle. It's just, it's very, like, well, we have seven seven things to tie up. Let's just do that. I I don't know. That that doesn't work for me. Yeah, I mean, they could have, one, when Eowyn fought Gothmog earlier, they could have had her actually have, like, a moment of him dying. Yeah. She is a competent warrior, and, like, I realize that the Witch King is her big moment, but that doesn't have to be... It's not like she just did nothing until killing him. Yeah. And then we just wouldn't see Gothmog again, and then, like, when and that she would be fine. Yeah. is, like, <laughs> going to Theoden or with Theoden, we could have seen kind of the rest of the battlefield be swept over by the green guys, who I hate, but... um. <laughs> I mean, I don't hate, I just hate their greenness. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and that would have given us a sense of like, she is having this moment and there is this other thing happening around her that she's unaware of because she is in the moment with Theoden. Yeah, I like that Theoden moment. We'll talk about it in just a moment. Yes. But yeah, it's just a weird beat after the very well done. It's just weird. It just doesn't, it doesn't work for me. Speaking of not working for me, that transitions right into Legolas taking down the Oliphant. I don't, we don't need to talk about it for a long time. That's the kind of stuff that I thought was super cool when I watched Lord of the Rings yep. in middle school. Uh-huh. And just like uh-huh. doesn't, doesn't do that much no. for me anymore. You said you called him Legolim earlier and I was just for a moment imagining like, what if all his limbs were legs? <laughs> oh God, great. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for this. Thanks for this horrible gift. Yeah, and then and then we cut straight from that like goofy, like Marvel ass, like over the top violence to a very nice scene, which is Eowyn and Theoden having their last moments together. Yeah, which fuck, I wrote sobbing in all caps next to it because I was also I teared up when you were talking about how ferociously brave Eowyn was like two minutes ago. Yeah, that's what's so weird about this is like, it feels like we have these moments that like really understand that character and then it's followed by just like weird yeah. propness. I don't know. I suspect that is partly about collaboration, right? You have Fran Walsh and Philippa Boyens yeah. who have a certain perspective and angle and it would not surprise me if they are a lot of like those moments that we really love with Eowyn and then we have Peter Jackson. The spectacle lover. Right. Exactly. I also think about, like, I'm not going to say too much about this because I'm not well informed enough to speak about it. But I'm thinking about Buffy the Vampire Slayer and, um, you know, what's his face? Joss Whedon. <laughs> yes. And how that show has plenty of problems and also there are things it gets really right and ways in which it is interesting and evocative of a certain experience and it is this bizarre thing where like Joss Whedon uh one saw Xander as sort of his self-insert character but it feels when you watch the show it feels like the show frames Xander as being in the wrong And that show is not the only time I've encountered this. I just can't think of another example right now. But I feel like I, there is this pattern of like men making media 
about women or involving women where they either inadvertently communicate something good and important or just have this like weird oblivion about certain things. Mm. But that's, I, yeah. Am I making sense? It, it touches on something we're like really poignant and evocative and true, but that happens alongside <laughs> stuff that is very much not that. Yeah. And I guess I like one, I think part of my point is like men get in their own way. Mm-hmm. This isn't like a perfect analog, but it reminds me of, because I just read uh, The Shining. Uh-huh. You know, and Jack Torrance, the main character of The Shining, is like pretty explicitly a villain. Like he he beats a student. He breaks his own son's arm. He like drinks mm-hmm. and emotionally terrorizes his wife. And mm-hmm. um, Stephen King hates the Kubrick adaptation because in that movie, Jack is a villain and Stephen King <laughs> thinks about his own book. He's like, no, no, no. Jack is this, Jack is this relatable, like sympathetic oh character. Yeah. And it's like, oh yeah. buddy, you are, you are really telling on yourself right now in a very interesting way because like Jack Torrance is not a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think partly it is that when, when people, and of course this isn't exclusively like men always, but the pattern I'm talking about is men. Because men experience the world, uh-huh. they, the media they make is a combination of, it is the world through their eyes, but but they can't help but have some truth in there because even if they feel differently about it, they observe women being people. And so I I don't know, I guess I feel like the truth comes through in ways that men don't always like intentionally. Like I think part of the moments that really work of Eowyn's story, it's because, I don't know, it just is. (laughs) And so it can't be like erased, but then Peter Jackson's like, filter still you know lens still comes through in other ways and so there's this contradiction at times i'm following you yeah this the larger art thing of like even people whose like worldviews we would like strongly disagree with capture and like replicate truth in art even if unintentionally you know their like intentional efforts like don't yes wouldn't appeal to you yeah yeah okay yeah <sighs> yeah I want to say, because this is the way that brains work, because I like that, like, Philippa and Fran, like, pushed for the inclusion of, like, Sam Frodo stuff, and what I assume to be, like, their views and understandings of the character, that that does feel like it came from them, and then yeah, um, Aragorn's yeah, kind of intrusion. But I, I don't really, I don't, I don't know enough to say that for sure, but I can say that there is a, a dissonance there. It doesn't, like, destroy or tear down the moments before. I, I, they're still really good. They hit me big in the feelings. Yeah. I have one other thing to say about Eowyn uh, before we hit this Theoden moment. It, okay. Um, which is that I've been going through some boxes as I clean and organize um, to prepare for Francis's move-in. And I found a little valentine that my friend 
Ruth, uh, shout outs to you, Ruth, if you ever listened to this, gave me when I was, you know, probably like 12. Um, mm. It's Eowyn. It's oh. it's from a set of Lord of the Rings, you know, Valentines. And oh. it's, I don't remember what it says on it, but it has a picture of Eowyn on it. And it's that's showing. enough. That's enough and for it to be a Valentine, you know? And I don't have, like, any other Valentines from whatever, but I, I kept that one. <laughs> Who can say why? Yeah, I think, the, I just wanted to, we we kind of talked about the introduction of this Eowyn Theoden moment, but didn't really, I, I love that in the movie, they get to have this exchange. It's not um, Theoden and Eomer and... Yeah. Like in the books. And so he like touches her cheek and says, I know your face, Eowyn, which is already like, already so good because, you know, because of like the earlier parts of their relationship of like him not, yeah, not, not knowing who she is anymore. And she says, and she's, she's crying. She says, I'm going to save you. And he says, you already did. Fuck. And then his last word is her name, which fucking gets me. Yeah. Um, and then here's another really effective use of silence because he is dead and she's alone, like in the eye of the storm of this battle. And it is so quiet and she is like the only thing around. It's yeah. it's so effective. <laughs> yeah. I don't have anything to say because I'm crying again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This, you know, this is what we're talking about. Like, fucking the, the peaks and valleys of characterization here. Yeah. That kind of transitions to after the battle. We see Gandalf, like, walking through the field in the aftermath with Pippin. Um, and it's smoky and Gandalf looks shell-shocked mm-hmm. it's a lot oh uh quick side note you don't have a clicky pen do you uh <laughs> i'll put it down thank you because i heard it as Sorry. you said something Sorry. a little bit ago and i yeah <laughs> i just I, I i have to find like a quiet the world's most quiet fidget alternative uh-huh and then um Oh, I was going to say there's the oath fulfillment moment. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I don't have much to say about that. I, Aragorn releases the Ghost King. Yeah, I don't like the weird moment of like, will he, won't he? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> That's not how this works. Yeah, and Gimli is like, you could keep a ghost army. And then they all dissipate. Yeah. Um, But then right after that, another scene that really works for me Um. We see Pippin on the battlefield again, but this time it's dark. Like, he has been out there well, by himself. First, first, he finds Mary's cloak when it's still light, right? Oh, you're right. And Sorry. Then yes, yes. Aemer finds Eowyn and, like, breaks down completely, which also really works for me. Yeah. Yeah, he's, like, screaming. Yeah. I mean, about both Eowyn and Theoden. Yeah, and yeah. then we get the healing montage. I wrote in parentheses, Aragorn sexy and tender. <laughs> Damn. Um, let's talk, can we talk about the healing? Uh, what healing? Yeah. 
What the fuck? The hands of the king are the hands of a healer? I guess that doesn't exist. I mean, he does, like, some gentle hand waves over Eowyn's ouchy arm. Yeah, and you see him, like, squeezing some cloth, like, over a bowl of water. Which, yeah, is great. I love that. But, like, I understand needing to cut some things, but it is, like, we just get, like, a 30-second vibe and that's it. Yep. This whole montage takes place, like, over the length of a song. Um, It's a good song. It's very melancholy. Tyler sings But also during the... Yeah, which we were just talking about. I did not know. Makes sense because, you know, of who Liv Tyler is. Um, Mm -hmm. But also in this, we get Eowyn and Faramir's introduction. The The time is weird because it's like we see Aragorn, you know, kind of tending to Eowyn and then she's like sleeping in a big bed and then she's looking sadly out a window into a courtyard and Faramir's down there and they're both like, Hey. Yeah. Well, I mean, they're girl. not like hey because they don't speak, but they. There's no yeah. But Faramir, th- with their eyes. Like, looks at her longingly from a distance, or not longingly yet, even understandingly. In in an intrigued manner. Yeah. And then it cuts to Pippin still looking for Mary, and it's dark now. So it's like multiple days have passed in the healing montage, but only one day has passed in Pippin's world. And this is another incredibly like tender scene yes oh god pippin finds mary and mary is like barely holding it together like his voice is cracked from thirst and disuse and he you know kind of manages to like barely get out like i knew you'd find me like you guys friends i think that's all i have to say about that we can yeah go see frodo and the tower of kirith ungol okay here's a situation where they did some things to streamline stuff and i thought it worked very well i think the the sort of orc falling and starting the fight below uh was great because it also like the falling itself is sort of symbolic of the fight traveling its way you know down through the tower Mm -hmm. and was a nice sort of like context setting like fast forwarding through all of that kind of exposition yeah but it's also i mean that leads into a like a battle scene which is extended like yeah we that we did not need that (laughs) Yeah, and there's also, there's some, like, real goofy shit in there. Like, at some point, like, an Uruk picks up, like, a fucking perfectly round cartoon boulder to, like, bonk someone else. With. <laughs> it's it's a really extended cut. I just don't, like, there's so much else going on right now. I don't know that I needed that. No. I agree with the streamlining of the kind of shape of this arc. Yeah. But then it's, yeah, it's probably only like two or three minutes, but it feels really long. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Absolutely. Oh, oh, also, also, so, Uh you know, that happens. Sam is now entering the tower in the aftermath of that battle. So there's, you know, lots of corpses, but Mm -hmm. no one there. And he's kind of running through and he does encounter a group of orcs. Uh, or yeah, I was guy. gonna say 
In our last episode, you suddenly switched to using orc as the singular and plural, like a herd of deer, a group of orc. <laughs> and I don't... <laughs> did I do that last episode? Yes! Because I just, just did it now and it felt weird. You did it consistently. <laughs> no, 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 no. Well, no. Last episode, I was talking about... You know I'm a mushmouth. I may have also been saying auric for like orica. Yeah, no, it was not though. Okay, well, I mean, like we were talking earlier, I'm operating poorly a flesh bellows, so apologies for any it's fucking okay. inconsistencies. Um, there's some orcs uh-huh. plural on the stairs, uh-huh. and Sam is growling at them and brandishing his weapons, which is great. And they see his shadow and are afraid of him, which is what happens in the book. And then he steps around the corner and they see Sam S. Gamgee and they're like, ah, great, we can take this guy. And then Sam does a bunch of murder and is like shouting catchphrases as he does it. Like he like kicks someone off the stairs and is like, this is for Mr. Frodo. And I was like, oh yeah, like, okay, fuck yeah. And then he was like, kicks another person up the stairs and he's like and that one's for the shire and i was like yeah okay sure the shire and then he does another one and he was like that's for my old gaffer and i was like you should have stopped that one sam (laughs) um yeah in the book it's the shadow thing it's not even the shadow they see him actually it's just that he appears to them um, I mean, one, he's in a shadow, and so they can't make him out clearly, but the the ring on him is part of what, yeah, and it's just- Works in his and favor it's there. just one orc. Yeah, this felt, this section of the book is so good because, like, you talked about, like, we get all of this, like, Sam's sort of mental and emotional journey- you know, as he talks himself through things, as he thinks through things, like, all of that. As he makes decisions. Right, and it is so incredible. And I realize it is, like, harder to show interiority in the same way. Like, you can't show it in the same way. But that doesn't mean that you just get rid of it. Like, and also for Sam to just, I don't know, suddenly be like, oh yeah, I can fight with a sword, no problem. Never done this before, but I can take just multiple orcs that are way bigger than me. Like what, I realize he's brave because like love is motivating him, but that was a lot. Yeah, it like misunderstands, or it, it not misunderstands, it swaps the tension of that scenario of like Sam not being a fighter, being forced to fight and, like, yeah. swaps it for... Like, he's just suddenly gung-ho spectacle. about it. Yeah. Right, right. Like, yeah, like, shouting his little, like, catchphrases. Yeah. I mean, which is, like, Sam Sam, Sam has quips. Sam's yeah, got jokes. absolutely. I love that about Sam. But it doesn't quite land... Especially that, like, tied in with, you know, I was talking about, like, the Orakai, like, doing a murder with, like, a big Indiana Jones boulder. Like, it just feels very, like... I know it's a grim movie, but it feels like they were going for some, like, bits of levity or lightness here that felt totally off. Yeah. I feel like they could have had Sam encounter one orc and fight him with more reluctance, but, like, ends up being effective. And then, like, once the fear of that moment is off, then Sam makes a kind of a joke about it 
Yeah. You know, because he's processing and then there is room to actually like have that experience and that feels more kind of authentic to Sam and balanced. Right. But like, I mean, there's a, there's a big difference in the way that the movies treat orcs and the books treat orcs. Like there's obviously, we've talked about the issues with like everything going on with them in the book. In the book, even if they are denied personhood in some ways, they are also still clearly like people in other ways yeah in the movies they they have emotions of their own all the time right and in the movies like they are there to be scary to die in ways that make the heroes look funny and or like badass and to die in like great numbers like the movies i think are actually far more callous about the about yeah about them and so you know it it follows that but yeah it's another weird moment (sighs) Um, And then speaking of another weird moment, Sam gets tempted by the ring, um, which happens in the books as well, but without the interiority of being able to actually, like, hear and see what a character is thinking in their head, it's Sam, Sam and Frodo are reunited, Frodo tells Sam he thinks the ring is gone, Sam is like, begging your pardon, Mr. Frodo, but it's not, I have it in his little Samly way and Frodo asks for it back. And then, you know, Sam gets shifty eyes and the temptation music plays. Mm -hmm. That just like, doesn't do much without that interior monologue of like Sam being tempted by the ring because it could make the world a garden or because it would make it easier to find and protect Frodo without the context. It feels a lot weaker. Right. And in, in the book, just this moment alone, Sam, I don't know, I think is a little surprised by that moment of reluctance he feels mm-hmm. and it gives him empathy immediately. He, yeah. Like, that's what it connects to for him is like, oh, now I understand how, like, if it had that effect on me in this, like, you know, day or two that I have had it. Now I understand some of... Gollum. Now I understand Gollum. Right. The person, like, arguably the character I hate most in the world. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like you said, this is really streamlined, which I do think works. They, you know, kind of recover each other. And then we see them walking out of the tower in orc garb. And that's the last we see of them today. I think they should have kissed. Yeah, I agree. And also Frodo had pants. Yeah. I think... But that's fine. Sam, I think we should have had a moment of Sam seeing Frodo's naked skin all illuminated by flame and then (laughs) Sam, like, blushing. Yeah. I mean, Sean Astin... Ugh. Sean Astin does good in this scene. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's so good. He's so good at the, like, teary conversations with Frodo. Yeah. I mean, that moment where, like... Frodo gets ring possessive and yeah. then doesn't really apologize, but kind of does. Um, and Sam is like crying, but he just rolls with it. Like he. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah. And then we go to Otter like Gorn Gandalf leading. Yeah. And Aragorn and everyone sitting in the throne room of Gondor trying to decide what the next step is. Yeah. And this is the speech where. Basically, they're like, we can't help Frodo directly, but the thing we can do is draw Sauron's eye 
Although, interestingly, that was Gandalf's suggestion in the book, and it's Aragorn's here. Which is a decision I am fine with. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I also love Gandalf says, like, Frodo has passed beyond my sight, and also says at one point, I've sent him to his death. And I love that we keep that characterization of him, like, struggling with his guilt and his feelings for his friend. Like, Frodo, like, who, he has known Frodo his entire fucking life. Yeah. Yeah. Frodo's life, obviously. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, And then I do like that as the scene is going on, Gimli is just, like, propped up in the steward's throne and, like, smoking his pipe. That's a nice little... Like, Gimli... Mm-hmm. Gimli is comedic effect we've talked about. Sometimes works for us and sometimes doesn't. This was a nice little moment of, like, yep, uh-huh. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. Um, I did write in all caps here, Ottergorn is so hot when he's leading and also healing and also jumping and also opening doors. See, this is what I was saying <laughs> earlier. It's like, we we can just assume... Unless it's otherwise stated. Yes. Speaking of hot girl shit. I want to look like him and I want to, you know, I want to be him and Yeah, yeah, we know. The be be him and do him model. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Speaking of hot girl shit, Aragorn uses the Palantir to send Sauron a sword pick, which I really love. (laughs) Um, But then has a weird, I mean... So, okay, we we discussed this extensively, and what happens is uh-huh. that Sauron did, this was This was like an hour-long diversion for us. Arwen, like, dying, um, you know, lying on her couch surrounded by fallen leaves in dark red velvet, um, like you look when you're dying. Mm-hmm. And Ottergorn freaks out, his face changes, he steps back and then we see a shot of his necklace from Arwen falling and shattering on the floor this is not the first time we've seen that it has also happened we're not sure if it's happened multiple times before but we know that it at least has happened at the end of the dream he had um, when he was camping with the Rohirrim before going down the paths of the dead, right before Elrond shows up to bring him. <laughs> so, no, when he uh, was at camp, I, I like the description. That sounds like they were having like a nice fall weekend and not like it was a military yeah. camp. <laughs> um, it happens in the dream. Some people on the internet seem to think that it actually breaks in this scene, which we initially wondered about, but he does wear it later in the movie and Arwen later gives it to Frodo also. It does not actually break. It is the exact same shot that happens previously and is just another sort of vision. I don't think it's Sauron showing him that. I think it's Sauron shows him Arwen and then Ottergorn, his brain itself goes back to this like vision he keeps having. Yeah, he's replaying his fears. Yeah. But yeah, it was it's weird because it is color graded differently. It's color graded like the visions and flashbacks and dream sequences with Arwen R, which was kind of an immediate tip off that it wasn't Yeah. But it's interesting because there's so much detail and information about this online because everyone is a big fucking nerd about it like we are and we had such a hard time because i knew i had seen that shot before we had such a hard time finding 
where that shot was and so much disagreement on the internet about it. It was a real, like, rabbit hole for us. Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just remembered the other thing my landlord said. He said, like, that it was, you know, the, uh, I don't know, the truest adaptation of a book out there or something. And then he was like, okay. And if you watch the extended editions, it's even more so. Okay, sure. As but if I had never seen the extended edition or heard of and it, yeah. So yeah. Anyways, that's all. Weird. It's almost like landlords don't know shit. Yeah. Um, and then, like five minutes later, in the kitchen with Francis, I was like, and also. <laughs> Not only does it differ in plot points, it also differs in, like, thematic, like, deep thematic elements. <laughs> and Francis just laughed at me. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, but I will say, it was, it's visually confusing because yes. we kind of go from Aragorn seeing things in the Palantir to Aragorn reacting in kind of slow motion to this dream shot to then, and, and this is, this is what threw me. It cuts from the Evenstar falling to a close-up on Aragorn's chest as he and everyone else are riding out of Minas Tirith to go do this big battle. And the even star is not visible in that shot because there's stuff over it. He's wearing Gondorian Right, which feels like in the, like, visual parlance of film, if you see a necklace break in one shot and then the next shot is zoomed in on the character who's normally wearing that necklace and it's not there, I could see why people believe that it actually yeah. shattered. But we think that is intended to show he is now wearing the, the white yeah, tree of Yeah, he's Gondor. not in, like, ranger clothes anymore. He's taking his place in Gondor. I don't like that he freaks out the way he does, but it is... You you had a really hard time because we watched that scene a and bunch every time I saw it in our personal knowledge, um, you were very upset by his face. It's just his face initially is fine. I mean, I don't like that he's freaking out, but it makes sense. But then when there's another like split second of seeing his face, and it it becomes a little comical. We should have screenshotted that. Why didn't we screenshot oh, that? Damn. Okay, I might have to go back and do that. And then we see some horses because they're riding out. Yep. And then the very last scene is Eowyn and Faramir standing in this like kind of beautiful interior courtyard and looking out over the plain, presumably. And this is like their relationship. Like Eowyn kind of nestles her head onto Faramir's shoulder. Like she's standing there. He comes to her. Do they say anything they don't say anything they do hold, they just, so first they, they hold look hands. at each other he they takes hold her hand oh yeah then they do. she leans her head on his shoulder and then we get this shot from behind them that is beautiful i don't love the, how quickly and contextually this relationship progresses but i do absolutely love that shot yeah they don't need conversation to fall in love they don't nothing it's just it's it's just there, I guess. Hold out for the extended, extended cut, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's um, that brings us up to speed on everything that happened. Uh, now for the horse science bit. 
Um, I think first we need to right the wrongs of our past and rename some uh, doubly named horses. Okay. Let me yeah. pull up the list. Um, I have a truly embarrassing amount of like horse name spreadsheets now. There are multiple. Like Joey said, a closer look at the archives revealed these errors. Um, a few weeks ago, we tweeted about them. So our first horse that needs to be renamed uh, is seen in the background as Pippin and Gandalf prepare to leave Edoras for Minas Tirith. Uh, this horse was formerly named Mouse. The suggestions we got are Pigeon from uh, friend of the show, Nat. Mm. Stylus, Trackball, or Vol from also friend of the show and former guest, Ben, at Glenatron. Hobbit Trans suggests Princess Peach. Claire Itty or IT, ITYY suggests Bandit, Clyde, or October. Uh, our friend Bry recommends Gull. Hobbit Brain Rot recommends Stormfront. And Evil Sea Cow VA recommends Swift. Uh... Um, there's a document in Shadowfax that has all of this written out. You should open that. It's called Horse Renaming. Okay. I hate opening documents. Do it on your phone. I'm doing that. Okay. I hate doing things on my phone. <laughs> oh my god, Joey. Pull it together. <laughs> Hor- horse renaming. Okay. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, these are all great, but I love Pigeon. A Pigeon is absolutely where I was leaning to. Uh, so we will correct that in the archives. Welcome to the world pigeon and i think we are going to because people sent in such good right name recommendations i think we're going to blend them into a, a horse name pool and pull from there for future horses yes number two um a chestnut with white flecks on its nose being mounted it has face armor with what we're now calling the, the, the dinosaur ridge, mm-hmm. which is that stitched leather ridge running down the middle. Also kind of like a cassowary ridge, but not as tall. Yeah, not as menacing. Yeah. Oh, God, I'm now picturing Rohirrim, but what if they rode cassowaries instead? Holy that's shit. Also, let's really upsetting horse, to me. Cassowary. cassowary. One, one of those horses with the ridges that we see later. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, totally. Um... We see this horse in the montage as Theoden and everyone are leaving Edoras to ride to Gondor's aid. We had formerly named this horse Whisper. Oh, because it was a whisper of white on the nose. Correct. Um, Glenatron recommends Careless. Hobbit Trans recommends Beignet. Captain Boromir. Uh, these are all Twitter ads, if that mm-hmm. was not clear. Captain Boromir recommends Adia, A-D-Y-A. I would pronounce that Adia, but... Adia. Tree Davies recommends Flicka. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bry at Spider Trans recommends Ikor or Echo. I think, let me check. Isn't I think it we've Iker? used... Isn't Iker? Isn't it pronounced Iker? I thought it was pronounced Ikor. In Taz, don't they say Iker? Do they say it wrong? Do I say it wrong? Yeah, the internet tells me it's pronounced Icor. Oh, okay. Great. 
Um, and we apparently have not used Echo. I thought we had. So both of those are up. Icor uh, or Echo. Okay. Are you sure? Like you double checked that? Yes. I am looking at the, um, the correct Google Doc. Okay. Um, uh, Hobbit Brain Rot recommends Sorrel Soot and Evil Sea Cow VA recommends Grendel. Hmm. <laughs> oh, I literally just got Ben's joke. It was named Whisper, and Ben wants to name it Careless. Oh. Care- careless careless whisper. whisper. Yeah. I do want to name a horse Flicka from my friend Flicka, which I loved when I read it when I was younger. I've been meaning to reread it, actually. But I don't know if I want to use it for for this one. I think right here I'm leaning Sorrel Soot. Mm. I love the warrior warrior cat yeah. feeling of it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. I love that. Also, the proper name for Sorrel is Common Sorrel, which is funny to me because it's a chestnut. Mm-hmm. Okay. So Sorrel Soot. And we'll pull those others for the pool. Uh, for, oh, sorry. I'm so sorry. Not for the horse name Pool. It's the horse name Corral. My bad. Oh, yeah. How do you... How the fuck do you spell Corral? C-O-R-R-A-L. Oh, yeah. Okay. Horse number three. A very dark horse with leather scale mail face armor and a straight across breastband. One of the... Oh, it's the sexy six behind oh, Theoden right. when he yes. leads the charge on Pelennor. named Falar, which we had literally just used <laughs> the episode, the episode before. before. Yeah, that one's a little embarrassing. Friend of the show, Emily, recommends Breck. Incredible. Hobbit Tramp. Which is a fucking, yes, that's a, already a standout. Um, Hobbit Trance recommends Forest. Shisil, 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 S-H-I-I-S-S. I-L-N. That's a tricky one. Suggest mm-hmm. Minnelly, which is the name of, I think, Falar's dragon. Mm. Yes. Or Minnelly or is Falar's writer. Yeah. If I there's remember some connection you saying to... when you were reading those names. Hobbit Brain Rot recommends Comet. Uh, Evil Sea Cow VA recommends Gillerta. Did you transcribe that correctly? Well, that's a... I don't know. Let me, hold on. Let me pull up the Twitter thread really fast. (laughs) Now I have Careless Whisper stuck in my head. No, I did not. Gilroth is the recommendation. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Listen, I was doing, I was busy, okay? Yeah. Um, Gilroth is the recommendation. We also actually, yeah, Jackson from at Heretic Cleric. We have a new one, actually, since I checked the oh. thread. Uh, Bread Poot recommends Baba Booey. Great. I want Breck. That feels like a, a good a good pull for us. Yeah. I have another thing to say about pronunciation of a horse we named. Yes. When you were reading those, like, dragons of uh, Pern. Pern names, like, I couldn't see them, right? So I was just hearing them from you. And we named a horse Minimith. Yeah. Which I had envisioned totally differently. And now no. that I have seen it, I would pronounce <laughs> that name 
Nementh, like not pronounce the initial M, and then that yeah second syllable has an N before the th that was kind of getting elided. It's just yeah, it's Minimith is great. It's just very. It was very funny to see you tweet the screen cap and be like, wait a second, that's how that's spelled. Uh, man, we're having an extremely flesh bellowsy episode, huh? Yep. Uh, so we have Pigeon, Sorrelsoot, and Brack. Last is a white horse with a pink and gray mottled nose seen in the first shot after Mary's close-up when Thayden tells him he won't be riding to war with the Rohirrim. We'd formerly named this horse Blossom. Ben recommends Barnaby. Hobbit Trans recommends... <laughs> what? What? Mr. Frodo. I'm just laughing at Mr. Frodo. Oh, yeah. Frodo. Recommends Mr. Frodo, which is very funny. Evil Sea Cow recommends Flex or Bolin. Uh, Hobbit Brain Rot recommends Nimbus. And at Shaceland recommends Elevensies, which I really like. Um, Mr. Frodo is extremely funny, but I feel like we can't name, we can't name a horse Frodo. Can we? Mm. Do we need to? Uh, no. No. Sorry. I'm drawing a line there. It's, it's very funny, but it, it, we, like, we also can't name a horse Gandalf, you know? We haven't used Nimbus? Let's check. Because this is a few episodes behind us. We don't appear to have named a horse Nimbus. Okay. I'm voting for Elevensies with Nimbus as a close second. I don't feel a specific draw for Elevensies with this specific horse. I just think that's such a fucking cute... Yeah. Do you want to go Nimbus and save Elevensies then? No, no. Uh, we could we could do elevensies. Nimbus might be good for like a dapple if we see yeah. another one, which we love to name after clouds. <laughs> God. So let's do elevensies. Okay. So thank you so much, everyone, for your submissions. We have pigeon, sorrel, soot, breck, and elevensies. I'm very happy with those, and we have. Everyone else's names saved and we'll be pulling from them. So thank you for helping to make our jobs easier. Yes. That is horse corrections. Oh, oh, I have one non-horse correction, but I do want to talk about it because I felt like I was losing my mind looking this up when we were watching the movie, when we were watching the movie, which is Uh the character, the movie character who we have been calling Baragond. Yes. Because I was pretty sure that at some point captioning was like, this is Baragond. He's a Gondorian captain of some sort. He's got long kind of silverish hair and dark brows, which is a good luck. He's the one who was being a shitheel like in the courtyard after Faramir's cavalry like made it back to Minas Tirith and was like, but Lord Denethor, the... Lord of the Rings wiki tells me that that is a character named Iralas, which is a bastardization of your loss because they wanted to keep the name but didn't feel like they could use it verbatim. So Baragond is actually I, your loss is actually Iralas. So what can you do? By silvery hair, you mean it's blonde, but it's a cool blonde. It, yes, it's it's a very, yes, it's a very like... Um, you think this man is hot in a way that I do not. 
you know, our taste differs sometimes. He's not bad, but okay, okay, here's the thing. Yeah. He, when I, like, actually look at his face zoomed in, he reminds me a little bit of 2005 Mr. Darcy, who looks like a kicked puppy and everyone is all, like, into and I don't give a damn about. Oh, I don't think he looks... Okay, the one screen grab that you're looking at, I think he's got kind of a sad, quizzical expression. I don't know. I I can't defend myself other than that to say that, like, I also think Alon sleeps Bagano from Star Wars is hot, so, like, what can you do? I don't... Oh, let me introduce you. I'm not saying Iralas looks like a kicked puppy. I'm just saying that Mr. 2005 Mr. Darcy does, and Iralas yeah. has a resemblance to him a little bit. Wow, there's a fucking Iralas chess piece and a collector's model. Wow. Okay. Um, yeah, so that's that's on us. Um, as with many Lord of the Rings things, there is like simultaneously far too much detail and also not enough detail. Yep. Um, should we move on to archiving and naming our current horses? Are you gonna send me a picture of that Star Wars character? Oh, yeah, I can. Or um the so, name or something something? Yes. Alon Sleeze Bagano. Um, as in Sleazebag, because fucking Star Wars. He's the Death Sticks. Have you seen the prequels? Y- yeah. Yeah, okay. He's the Death Stick dealer who Obi-Wan Jedi mind tricks. Okay. It's Elon Selsabagno. I'm looking at his name now. Also known as Elon Sleazebagano. Oh, I see. Okay, yes, I see. That. His original, okay. because Star Wars, Star Wars does this, where it wants things to be like stupid, doofy ass puns with the barest veneer of deniability on them. No, I like I see it with him mm-hmm. in a way that I don't with. That's fair. Iralas. That's all. Okay, let's name some new horses. This is at minute marker two forty five sixteen. Yeah, yes. This is our first group of horses. Um, we are obviously continuing our, we're not horse archiving during like active battle scenes. Um, there's too much going on and we don't want to linger on death and injury to animals. Uh, but this is Theoden trying to rally the riders and get everyone like turned around to face another attack. Yeah, number one is a dark horse with scale face armor, tall eyebrow ridges, and an ear held back. A rider with long white hair and Jedediah beard. That was my description of it. I said it looked like it belonged on a man named Jedediah. It's a very, like, rounded beard that is low on the face but extends out past the chin. Yeah, so it's got a little bit of that chin strap look, but is and is long enough to have like body, but like short enough that it's not scraggly or anything. Do you want to name one by one, or should we get through this first group and then go back and name? I would like to name as we go, if possible. Yeah. Who do you think this is? If you want the name Corral is pulled up. I think it's Jedediah. Oh, Jedediah the horse. Yeah, duh. Okay. Yeah. One Jed Jedi. Die. Jedediah. 
Number two is a blurry bay. It has a little bit of a snip um, and kind of a hourglass shape, like two. Oh no, why am I doing this to myself? It's what is like the tri- two triangles um, with the points facing each other. So, like an hourglass that has been just separated a tiny bit in the middle. Yeah, yeah. I was. I don't know why I was setting myself up for failure by explaining the specific kind of triangle it is. That's not helpful. Well, it's the top one shape. is longer and skinnier, and the bottom one is shorter and squatter. Those are the kinds of triangles they are. <laughs> <laughs> it has scale, uh, scale mill face armor with the eyebrow ridges. Uh, the rider is extremely choked up on the reins, holding the reins, like, very high. Uh, and the reins, we can see, are kind of a braided leather. Yeah. Maybe something about, like, an the hourglassy shape would be good. Yes, or something time-related, because hourglasses, you know. Yeah, that's, yes. Time. Yes. Or a, a related but um, somewhat lateral pitch. What if we named it tchotchke because an hourglass is kind of a tchotchke and yes. I love the word tchotchke? Yes. Great. Okay. Okay. Number three is a brown horse. And I think it is actually qualifies as a brown as in it is dark brown and not a more reddish, you know, bay color. No mane visible. So that also, you know, we don't have a lot of data there. Uh, dinosaur ridge face armor, chainmail helm thing on the rider. Uh, the rider is also phasing out of existence. <laughs> um, it's extremely funny. Uh, we'll post the screenshot, of course, but the rider is like, like the opacity has been changed and is clearly standing in a different light than everyone else. Is this cassowary? Because I, I know we have other dinosaur ridge face armor. Should we save that? And this is about... Um, the writer being phased out. Uh, yeah, I want to name probably number five cassowary. Um, and I'll explain why when we get there. Um, Sounds good. But yeah, who? Oh, who Echo. Operates- Echo. Oh yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask who who operates the the, the machine in Star Trek. Uh, the transporter. Yeah, I kept wanting to say phaser, but I think that's the guns. Um, it depends on which Star Trek you're talking about. Okay, yes, sure. Scotty in the original. He's, oh, you know, yeah. Okay. beam me up, Scotty, is like... Oh, right, right, right. Okay, yeah. Yeah, that, that could work, but Echo is also nice. What are you leaning? Let me blow my nose a minute. Weird name for a horse. <laughs> Honestly, I like Scotty. Echo's great, but Echo is more applicable to different situations. Yeah, so let's do Scotty. Yeah. Uh, Number four is a bay uh, with dark outlines at the nostrils and the rims of its ears, which we really like. It's kind of light gray around around its lips and then tawny as it goes higher up the muzzle. I have a question. What do you, like, what does tawny mean to you what color do you think that is goose sorry goose yeah goose is tawny parts of goose are tawny okay i i would agree with that actually like her undersides yeah 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 tawny tawny is that like 
tawny is a color that I associate with feather and fur. Like it's a kind of like yellowy, browny, light creamy color. Okay, agreed. This horse gets reddish on the nose, but not tawny to me. We God, we experience colors so differently. We we are the least qualified. You know we that actually, like red and yellow are different colors, right? We, okay, don't frame it like it's my fault. We are actually throw out all of our other fucking qualifications. We cannot make this podcast because we fundamentally do not agree on basic colors. No. <laughs> I'm standing by Tawny here. We'll post the screenshot. People can decide. It, it, okay. The color light, its bay color lightens higher up its muzzle. Yeah, but it's like a dark bay or brown is what I wrote. And so it becomes, yeah, anyways. It has it scale mill. lighter. I just don't think it gets as light and yellowy as, as Tawny would. And it has scale mill face armor with the eyebrow ridges. Its ears are back. Who is this bay? I'm looking at our name corral. I can't believe I ever mm. called it a name pool. Absolute foolishness. Oh, um, how about... Sorry, okay, go ahead, but then I have a pitch. No, 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 Here, give me your pitch first. My pitch is October because of the colors of leaves, some of which are tawny and some of which are red. <laughs> We're really embracing the the spectrum here. Yeah, okay. Into it. October. Who is next, Joey? Number five. A chestnut with a dino ridge face armor. Gray around lips. Um, Sorry, my handwriting was very bad there. Um, Ears upright looks weirdly calm. Yes. And I feel like a cassowary is a bird that would look weirdly calm in the midst of battle chaos. I mean, before killing you. Eerily serene right before it kicks you to death. Yeah, or disembowels you. Yeah, I think those two are related. Perfect. Cassowary. Love that. Mm-hmm. Um, was the thing that sold you on this being cassowary out of the several dinosaur ridge face armors, the, the, the stillness? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six. Six. Speaking of colors. Speaking of colors. This horse, let me tell you the other things about this horse and then we'll talk about its color. Uh, uh-huh. It has face armor, which is kind of interesting. Usually face armor is in two pieces. There's a piece that rests like that rests on the brow and then there's another piece that comes down on the cheek. This one, the cheek piece is quite long and kind of curls back under its eye. I also said it had a nice eye. That's all. That's that's it. I guess yeah. we have to talk about its color now. Okay. I do want to specify that it's not that face armor is usually two pieces. It's just that the, the tabs that sort of connect the outer bits of the face armor to each other are usually farther apart. What does... Not two separate pieces. They're connected up by the jaw. What I'm, but there's you know there's two like prongs of it. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm. I'm. I. I'm not disagreeing with the what legs you of a pain. I'm just clarifying for listeners that, like, it is because the the part that goes down the face 
is all one piece and everything else juts off of that, it is technically like, you know, it's a one piece thing. But you're right that the cheek pieces came down farther and connected to kind of the tabs off the sides of like the the nose part, like much more closely. And it does have a nice eye. I thought the same thing. Yeah. Okay, what what color is this horse, Caitlin? I think I described it as a bay standing in dun lighting. Yeah, that's what I have written down in quotes. <laughs> um, so you could call it a dun, you could call it a bay. I think it's probably no. actually a bay, but let's say it's a dun. Mm, let's not. Let's say it's a bay. <laughs> um, I mean, I agree that like if if you just <laughs> if you if you color what what do you call if you like eyedroppered uh-huh color from parts of it and put it elsewhere it might be done ish but you can tell from like the shade like the color of its mane uh which should be black but is actually a lot lighter um that the lighting is distorting it yeah. There's a lot going on. The lighting is strange. There's like smoke and dust and like bars of sunlight that make it difficult to kind of parse the colors. Okay, I have a pitch from the corral for you. Okay. I have two pitches from the corral for you. Oh, but interesting. go ahead. I think this might be beignet. Okay, that's one of my pitches. Oh, yeah, cuz it's like there's there is a color that it is, but it also has kind of an overlayer of, of a different lighter color. Yeah. It's got beignet vibes. Yeah. Uh, my other possibility was Princess Peach for the same reason. Not Princess Peach because there's a horse later this episode that I describe as looking like a peach before, oh, which is totally okay. unrelated to this suggestion. So I think we should save Princess Peach, great. but I'm great, into great, beignet. Great. Okay. Okay. Um, that is... Oh god, I have too many fucking horse tabs open. Okay, beignet. And number seven is a brown slash dark bay with a ragged saddle cloth. It is tossing its head and chomping at the bit. Yes, and this face armor also connects under the eye. What are you feeling for this horse? Jackson. Yeah, okay. No justification, it just feels right. <laughs> no thoughts, just vibes. Yep. That's all of the horses in that scene that we, you know, can identify and feel like naming. <laughs> the, the, the asterisk undergirding all of Shadowfax. <laughs> uh, next at 2.54.18, after the battle has ended, um, Aemir and other people are searching the dead on the field. We can see a couple mm -hmm. of horses in the background. Uh, first is number eight, a chestnut with a red saddle cloth. And that's all we have for you because it's far away and smoky. What I wrote about this is that it's behind a lot of like spears and flags and other, there are just like a lot of sticks in the eye line between us and this horse. I'm, Updating the notes. There's a lot of sticks in the eye line. Okay, great. What's a name that implies there's a lot of sticks? Stylus? Oh, interesting. A stylus is a stick. 
Yeah. If you think about it. Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. Let's do stylus. Great. Uh, thank you, former ben. guest. And I almost said former friend and guest. Former guest and friend. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you had to learn this way. <laughs> uh, stylus. Number nine is a bay with a ragged saddle cloth, no face visible. Yes. And it has, we've seen this saddle elsewhere. This isn't like a, we haven't seen the saddle before, but I did want to mention it because it's a really good look at it because there's no one in the saddle. It's got that um, really high, really structured saddle, like high pommel, high cantle. Looks very comfortable. I think we should name this horse Bandit because it's hiding its face and it looks ragged. Oh, Oh, interesting. I I had a pitch for this that is from Caitlin's personal name, Corral, and not from um, Uh suggested names. I was going to say uh, Ilanwe from the princess from uh, the Black Cauldron who has like an incredibly ragged hemline, which I always thought was charming. Oh, yeah. Do you want to save that name for a horse that we see more of? Yeah, because we see there's a lot of ragged saddle cloths i mean not to diss the name bandit from whichever one of our loyal listeners suggested it <laughs> wow. it's great wow um but i just feel like this is not going to be anyone's favorite horse of the episode unless it is in yeah. which case i'm sorry okay and then last in this little group is number 10 it's a chestnut that's all I probably. have to- Probably. It, this one is extremely- It's like standing behind a smoke and it's very hidden. Yeah, I wrote horse butt, probably chestnut, smoky and hidden. Yeah. Who- What- What is this? I- Icor? Okay. This horse represents the blood of the gods to you. <laughs> I guess I think of Icor as- yeah, it says the ethereal fluid that is the blood of the gods and or immortals. Oh, and so I guess I I think of it as, like, I realize it is liquid, but I think of it as kind of a... Smoke. I don't know. Yeah. Atmospheric. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yes. I very much picture Ikor as black. It has always... I don't oh, know okay. why. Yeah, we can do we can do that. And then we have one last group of horses. Uh, This is as Aragorn and co. are leaving Minas Tirith for the Black Gates. There are many horses here. Um, This is pulling from the same group of horses, though. This is, these are all the same horses, so they're not, we're not adding them to the count. Um, We are simply naming them from the host that we have already counted. What's cool about this shot is we get to see everyone. In front is Aragorn and Brago. Behind them, Gandalf. Brago, wait, Brago is fancy now. He has that like chest band with the big medallion thing, and he has a rain banner or rain banners that uh, Hubris had on that we've talked about and still don't have an official name for. Um, and face armor with the crown of Gondor motif, the sea wings or whatever. Horse crown. Gandalf and Pippin are there on Shadowfax. Uh, Gimli and Legolas are on Erod, of course. Merry is riding with Eomer on Firefoot. And everyone, all these horses are all decked out in Gondorian armor, very specifically. And there is kind of one visible person 
still wearing Rohan stuff. So we think based on who is left from Rohan, we think this is Grimbold and his horse, Fearless. Because Fearless was a chestnut and this is a chestnut. We can't see anything else. Like it's, we barely get a glimpse of the horse. Yeah, but it makes sense because Rohan doesn't have a lot of the graduating class left, you know? Yes. Um, Yeah. Okay, and then there's a line of horses. These are all, this is left to right, just the first row of the column because we, it's densely packed enough. We can't, we can't distinguish anyone behind this first row. Number 11. Bay, bright, no socks, white on lip slash nose. This is Glasgow. Okay. Uh, Glasgow is... For a reason? uh, This is from like one of the, the Lord of the Rings wiki sites. Uh, Royd Tolkien, who is J.R.T.'s grandson, has an uncredited cameo as a Gondorian ranger, and that ranger's name is Glasgill. Uh, so we thought that would be a fun horse name to repurpose. I feel like usually we do not... Wait, okay, hold on. Do you not want to use usually, this as a horse name? Well, usually we don't take names that are used in the movie for characters to use for horses because they those names already belong to somebody in the The universe that's a good point i was thinking because it's an uncredited cameo like we never we're never gonna know who i'm 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 open to using it, but I just want to make it clear that, like, our general precedent is not to do this, and we are making an exception because of, like, the uncredited, you know, very bit, you know, we never hear that name on screen. We could also just name this horse Royd as a reference to the same thing. (gasps) Yeah! Okay, Okay, great. Uh, That's Royd, R-O-Y-D. Yeah. Next is uh, number 12... Just a, a darker bay. That's that's all I got. Yep. I said darker bay, very little info. Yeah. What if we name this horse Stormfront? Clyde. Clyde. <laughs> we went two different directions. <laughs> I love when we split on things and like someone goes like warrior cat and someone is like, yeah, this is my grandfather. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, hold on. Let me let me check. Let me check on Clyde. We have not used Clyde. Clyde is... Bolin. Uh, B-O-L-A-N. Yes. Yeah. I mean, so I like Clyde, but I do feel like... I mean, it reminds me of a Clydesdale. So, like, saving it for a horse with, like, you know, feathered fetlocks or a stockier build might be a good idea. Yes. And actually, there's a a darker horse in this lineup that we can save Stormfront for. So let's do... Yeah, Bolin. Number 13. A white horse, which is probably not technically white. It's gray, but it mostly looks white. Faintly gray. Um, oh, this might be Gull. Yes. Or Nimbus. I want to save Nimbus for okay, a dapplier dapple. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Gull. Thank you. Bry. Oh, oh God. Oh, where did my, oh, hold on. Where did, what? How did, why did this happen to okay me? Over there? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Whew. We're fine. Goal. Okay. Uh, 14. 
is a bay with a back left sock and has rain banners. And this, um, there's a couple of different types of Gondorian face armor that we see in this. 14 specifically has face armor that has like, the motif at the top is like two seabird wings. So it's like two separate pieces of metal sticking up and out. Yes, the other main one that we see is has a tree kind of on the forehead, and then it's kind of like branching roots that cover the rest of it down the nose. If if we could tell who all had what, we would give you that information. We can't. We can't really tell. Oh right, so fourteen. This is Gilroth. Okay, just because it just you know Gilroth. Seems like the name of a horse who wears fancy fucking winged face armor, you know? Yeah. Number 15 is a dark bay, I think. I literally just wrote dark bay, question mark. I I just have dark. I think this is Stormfront. Okay. As recommended by Hobbit Brain Rot. Um, 16 is another white horse. Yeah. Is this Barnaby? What did you say? Achilles? Oh, bro, we can't name a bat. Well, we could name a black brown horse Achilles. Actually, we should save Achilles for a horse who has one of those weird lateral coronets. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, um, but yeah. I'm gonna I'll put that in the corral. What if we name this horse Wool? Ooh. What is okay, give me some as the resident wool lover. Oh, give me- sheep breeds? I was, or I was going to say, like, technical words associated with, like, spinning or shearing or dying. Like, lanolin or weft or something, you know? <laughs> I want one more, one more degree of- That's weaving. Um, which is, you do with wool. It's fine. Sometimes. Uh, you also do it with cotton and, like, a bunch of other fibers. Um, roving. That's, like, the- the strip of wool that some people make like blankets out of with the giant knitting that you hate, that's roving. Roving is the oh. bane of your existence. Oh, yeah, I hate that. Um, I, I, as much as I hate that concept, the idea of calling this horse Rover is very funny to me because that's such a like dog name. <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also like crimp. People talk about like the crimp of, of wool fibers. Um, oh, okay, I think I'm leaning either Lan, which is short for Lanolin and is a classic like fantasy name, or uh-huh. Rover. Okay, but you don't want to just name this horse Wool. You know, there's that great artist on Twitter who draws Frodo and Sam and other characters sometimes named Wool. We could name a horse. Okay, if you if you're feeling wool, we can name a horse wool. No, we don't have to. I'm just saying. I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> um, give me. Okay, give me. Give me war. Uh, wool related. Um. Okay. Spindle. Uh. Bobbin. Oh, spindle. Oh, bobbin. Mother of all. Bobbin. Bobbin is there's, extremely. Do you know that there's cute. a part of the spinning wheel called Mother of All hyphenated? That's- horrible and wonderful (laughs) um i kind of like bobbin okay let's do bobbin okay uh 17 is a sorry can you double check that we have not named a horse yes i i just did okay great 17 is a bay i wrote kind of ombre ombre 
cool medium brown to lighter cinnamon. <laughs> oh, oh, cool medium brown to lighter cinnamon. Damn. Um, you didn't use any of those words. I just look like an asshole now because I'm out here and all my notes say is bay rain decor. Um, I think I'm pretty sure we've already named a horse cinnamon. Probably. We have not. We could name this horse Cinnamon. Okay. Okay. Uh, 17. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. Uh, and then 18. I I gotta be honest with you. I cannot remember why I thought this, but in my notes, I say, Chestnut looks like a peach. Wow. I don't know why. Yeah, I literally only wrote Chestnut, but that's great. Princess Peach. Maybe because it looked pinky or golden in the light and velvety. But yeah, Mm -hmm. this is Princess Peach for sure. That's everyone for today. Wow. Jedediah, Tchotchke, Scotty, October, Cassowary, Beignet, Jackson, Stylus, Bandit, Icor, Royd, Bolin, Gull, Gilroth, Stormfront, Bobbin, Cinnamon, and Princess Peach. So our running total of counted horses is still at 2,096 because we are assuming that these are still from either the Gondorian cavalry, what is left of it, or from the Rohirrim army who have been outfitted Yeah, um, as they ride out. Do we have a subtotal of named horses yet? Uh, no, we need to do that okay. at some point, but not yet. Okay. That's fine. Um, oh, uh, yes. No, we do, actually. Um, uh, this does have canonical names in it, too. So it's going to be a little off. But we have recorded 451 now with today. So approximately 470 named horses. Wow. Yeah, it's quite a few. Uh, do you have a favorite today? Who? Honestly, Cassowary? Yeah, okay. That face armor is very cool. Yeah, and I just, yeah, her ears were so upright. Beignet is probably my second choice because of the nice eye. Yeah, Beignet was going to be my first choice. Or um, Jedediah, actually. So Jedediah's ear is back, but the edge of it is like catching the light, you know, because there's those kind of fine hairs in the ear. It's kind of catching those and so creating like a little golden halo around its ear, which is very cute. So maybe Jedediah. Wow. That is uh, some vows complete. How do you feel about uh, engaging in some poetry? Great. Uh, You had a pitch for a, um, a poem to rewrite today, right? Or a song? Yes. Can you paste it in our chat, please. Wow, you're really pulling back the curtain on me knowing what the <laughs> poem is ahead of time. <laughs> Here it is for you. Here's the text you requested. Just trying to make a podcast. Okay. I didn't tell you why I wanted it, though. <laughs> okay. So this song is Tom Bombadil singing about Goldberry, but it reminds me of Eowyn. Oh, um, that's, that's nice. Uh, yeah, I could see that. Uh, this is apparently, Frodo sings this to Goldberry, not Tom oh, Bombadil. Right, okay. I mean, I see why you would think that, because Frodo Tom Bombadil just, right. 
is, is a, a wife, wife guy. guy, but Frodo Frodo gets a little wife guy there, you know? Yeah, he he's so moved that he just breaks into song. Yeah, which people do. Also, our chat, uh, our Discord do in chat, Tom Bombadil's house. Yeah, they sure. That's listen. Our our Discord <laughs> chat is a picture of a long sleeves Bagano. <laughs> Followed by this ode as if it were to Alonsley's Begano. He is slender as a willow wand. <laughs> Clearer than clear water. <laughs> um, so the original text, and this says willow want, which I'm assuming is sort of archaic and means wand. willow wand as in branch. Mm-hmm. Yeah, anyways. O slender as a willow want, O clearer than clear water, O reed by the living pool, fair river daughter, O springtime and summertime and spring again after, O wind on the waterfall and the leaves laughter. We love to disrespect this man about his poetry, but I gotta say, springtime and summertime and spring again after is great, and also, this one has, like, some nice inner rhythm to it, which his don't always mm. have. Yeah. I realize this is supposed to be about horses. We have strayed from that from that edict now and then. If you want to write a poem about a... I mean, that feels appropriate because we also wrote a thirst poem about Aragorn, so... <laughs> That's true. <laughs> um, I do... I want to write an ode to Eowyn, but maybe we could have... A, a horse reference in here because part of Eowyn is being a horse girl. Yeah, a, a very important part, yeah. So our rhyme scheme is A-A-B-B Water, Daughter, After Laughter. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about the ways that Tolkien describes her. Like, he describes her as being slender like a blade. Mm-hmm. He describes her as being coldly beautiful um hey what what did the air do when Aragorn like did the uh, Thelas thing oh um it smelled like air that like no one had ever breathed before if I'm remembering correctly it seemed to those who stood stood by that a keen wind blew through the window, and it bore no scent, but was an air wholly fresh and clean and young, as if it had not before been breathed by any living thing, and came new-made from snowy mountains high beneath a dome of stars, or from shores of silver far away washed by seas of foam. Mm. Yeah, so, um, keen wind... Fresh and clean and young. Yeah. God, some some of this could almost stay, like, clearer than clear water. Yeah. Man, Tolkien loves to equate beauty with purity, huh? Yep. Um, oh, Ottergorn describes her as fair and brave when he's talking to Aemir about her when she's still, you know, dying, basically. So the first line is, oh, slender... Um, as a, which Tolkien describes her as, but the part of that description that I like better is describing her as as steeled or steely. Yeah. Like we could do like, oh, steely as a drawn blade, oh, clearer than clear water. Mm. Something like that, you know? Yeah. Sorry. I'm, I'm just reading little bits 
Also, Aragorn says, When I first looked on her and perceived her unhappiness, it seemed to me that I saw a white flower standing straight and proud, shapely as a lily, and yet knew that it was hard, as if wrought by elf rites out of steel. Or was it, maybe, a frost that had turned its sap to ice, and so it stood, bittersweet, still fair to see, but stricken, soon to fall and die? God. God! Okay. <laughs> yes, say that line to me again. Oh, steely as a drawn blade, oh, clearer than clear water. Um, We don't have to, I don't know. I don't know if that works. We could use, like, upright... Yeah, I guess, so in, sorry, I'm having silent thoughts. Um, Joey, please, it's a podcast. You must use your flesh bellows. Um, steely, oh, steely as a drawn blade works, but you have to, like, drawn, it would be better if there were two syllables there. Draw, drawn it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and I guess... Well, steely is accurate. I steel without the Y on it, it feels like a, a stronger, like a more vivid word. And so I was trying to think of like, like, like something like, oh, sharp and strong as a fine steel blade. Oh, clearer than clear water or, you know, something. I think I like sharp there. Sharp and strong is sharp and strong as a drawn blade is great, but that's too many syllables. What? Isn't that too many? Sharp? Mm, no. Oh, sharp and strong as a fine steel blade. That feels that feels really long. I, Slender as a willow want clearer than clear water. Yeah, so sharp and strong replace yes. slender. And it works because slender is pretty equally weighted. I think it it feels like there are too many words in there. <laughs> you know? Okay. Yeah. I like I I really like the line and I want to use part of it. I just want to pare it down a little maybe. Yeah. Even if you can fit that many things into the syllable, he's using much shorter um you know. This goes more that direction. It does work. It's just, you know, sort of more space, but Oh, sharp as a steel sword. Oh, clearer than clear water. Yeah, yeah, that works. I like the other one. It just feels, it feels yeah, long. Yeah, no, I, I agree. Um, What if we, can we just change River Daughter to Rohan's Daughter? Mm, yeah. Keeping Daughter in Water is nice, and also Eowyn epitomizes what can be good about her people. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want that to be fair still? Fair Rohan's daughter or? It needs definitely something there. I think it could stay fair Rohan if we want. Although that feels a little like college fight song, you know? Did you have a, a good swap for it? Not yet. Um, I'm open to others if, you know. Okay. Okay. Um, What else? Let's see. I, I think we should change Read by the Living Pool. That might be a good opportunity to do, like, something about, like, yeah. the, like, cold flower or a winter flower. Mm. Or 
riding a horse because we follow it with fair Rohan's daughter. Mm, okay. And part of her being a daughter of Rohan. Being a horse girl. The, the yeah. horses. Um, I know that like the structure of this poem is all sort of like just phrases directly about her, but we can change that. This little snippet could include her name, like something, something, Eowyn, fair Rohan's daughter. Yeah. I mean, yes, that, yes. I'm just saying we can think expansively here in whatever direction. What describes her horse riding or her relationship with her horse? (laughs) Oh, it could just be friend of Megillowen, fair Rohan's daughter. Oh, yeah, that works. The friend of Megillowen fits in there, really. Yeah. The way that friend and Megillowen, like, half rhyme is really nice. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then one of these ones on the bottom, I want to describe her as, like, ferocious or brave or something. Mm, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, or like oh, defender of her friends or something. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could do something about her. I, I like the descriptions of her as, like, existing in her own personal winter quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So maybe something. What do we want? I'm. What do we want the that last rhyme to be? To, to be, yeah. Um, I really like that. Even if it's a different rhyme scheme, those ers are are consistent. That gives it a really nice forward momentum. Mm-hmm. Maybe we could keep those and do like defender and befriend her <laughs> i don't know what do you think yeah i'm open to that um i don't know defender gotta pull up the rhyming dictionary my old friend mm-hmm. um we could rhyme this is we could rhyme flower and hour like pale winter flower and she like no, that this doesn't work. Something about she she is the one who fucking shows up when it is needed. Mm-hmm. But that might be awkward with having hour on the end there. Okay. I don't know what you'll think of this, but Okay. I have something. Oh sharp as a steel sword, oh clearer than clear water, O friend of Megillowen, fair Rohan's daughter. Winter has been long for you, but spring will bring splendor for you, your fortunate friends, ferocious defender. Okay. But the the last line is is clumsy right now, and that's... I really like the direction of that third line we can get there. Um, I'm thinking on that last line, definitely friends. I feel like fortunate feels maybe not right there but it's yeah. to like kind of pad out the line yeah exactly maybe we could do like your people because that's like part of her whole story is having this like obligation to mm. i don't know i think fortunate doesn't feel right there but yeah, i like yeah i, ferocious. I agree yeah. um because i think ferocious defender works but you have to kind of ferocious defender what if it's yeah. ferociously brave defender uh, spring will be brings wonder from do 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 ferociously brave defender. Yeah. 
Yeah, that works. I also don't mind kind of swinging the pronunciation on ferocious. Okay. Um, so up to you if you have a preference one way or the other. Mm, not um, strongly. Let's see if we can figure out the rest of this line then. Um, for you, your friends. I mean, for it you, could just be for you, your friends and family's ferocious defender. Yeah, for you, your friends and people too ferocious. But the the two there, it's yeah, and it. I mean, it has to be possessive, grammatically speaking. Like, unless we for change you, your friends, your countrymen ferocious defender yeah i don't love countrymen because it's men um what -hmm. if it's you are your people's most ferocious defender oh interesting so cut for you it's just you are your people's most ferocious defender Mm. that's that's closer i like that what uh, what if it my silly hang-up here is that I don't want to lose friends <laughs> because mm. she defends her friends. Um, yes. Winter has been long for you, but spring will be splinter. Splint will bring... <laughs> spring, spring will, will be, be splinter. splinter. <laughs> spring will bring splinter. Warmth for you and your friends, ferocious defender. Oh yes, and then it's ferocious defender is is just the the name you are calling her. Yeah, yeah, it's like her epithet. Yes, and I love the idea of Eowyn specifically being promised warmth, which is like yes. kind of the thing she's been denied. Yes. Yeah. Okay, we got there. We did this one took a little finagling, but should we do a a read? Do you want uh, two and two or alternating lines? Let's do alternating. Okay. Oh, sharp as a steel sword, oh, clearer than clear water. Oh, friend of Megillowin, fair Rohan's daughter. Winter has been long for you, but spring will bring splendor. Warmth for you and your friends, ferocious defender. Yay! Wow, that was a nice one. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I don't think the beacons have been lit at all, so we have fulfilled our oaths and, like, the Ghost King can fucking dissipate and rest. Can just exhale a long sigh and disintegrate. Be blown away by the breeze to become glowing green pixels elsewhere. Mm, I would love to disintegrate into dust. Mm. <sighs> yeah, we're, inch- we're inching closer. We are. Next time we'll be covering book chapters four, five, and six of book six. Is that true? Yes. Yeah. Uh, next book episode, we will be covering the field of Cormalin through many partings. Wow. We're getting there. I don't even have a goofy like sign off today because I'm feeling tender about Eowyn. Uh-huh. Tinder? Um, I hardly know her. <laughs> Spring will be splinter. <laughs> Great. Thank you for listening. 
The music you heard at the beginning was Horse by Horse, arranged and performed by Caitlin and Joey. That's us. You can listen to it again at soundcloud.com shadowfactspod. The cover art was made by Annie Johnston Click at Dancy Naru on Twitter. I'm Caitlin, my pronouns are they, them, and you can follow me at Chalo and Behold on Twitter. You can follow the show at ShadowFactsPod and email your horse-related Lord of the Rings questions to ShadowFactsPod at gmail.com. Joining me on this journey there and back again is... Joey. My pronouns are they, he, and you can follow me on Twitter at JoeyThePrince. If you want to read and watch along, check the episode description for the segment we'll cover next time. This has been Shadow Facts. One horse to rule them all! Ha 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 ha!